Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Welcome to episode 36, and today we're going to be interviewing Christine McHugh. She is a dynamic leader, and I'm excited that you're going to get a chance to learn from her. Um, A bit about her, she is a former executive at Starbucks, and she's now the chief strategy officer at Tangelo Health, which is a growing startup. Um, And today, she's really going to be sharing her experience on growing leaders, and specifically growing as a servant leader. So if you're new to leadership or if you're seeking perspectives, this episode is for you. Enjoy. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because of um, who I know you now to be, and mm-hmm. I follow you on LinkedIn. Um, you know, get to read um, just your your reflections and your thoughts on leadership. And I'm curious because it's going to play itself out in like what you do here at Tangelo. Mm-hmm. But um, what what would you say are some of your leadership passions? What let me just ask you, like, what is leadership to you? Well, you know, my one of my number one or top values personally, but also plays out professionally, is helping people. Okay. And so for me, whether it's in um, leadership roles, is how do I actually help people help other people? Mm. And that can look like a lot of different things. And so I'm super passionate about that. And it really comes down to a spirit of service. And so I look at my role as a leader of being in service to other people. Okay. So that if it's another leader, it's to be a service to them so that they can be of service to their team. Well, let's transition for a second because what I want is for people that are listening to get a sense as to um, you know, what you have to offer, especially as they're developing their self as a leader. And you shared, so now you're in a strategy, you know, officer position um, in a growing business. You spent 27 years at Starbucks, some of that time in an executive position. Um, So you've been in a position to develop other leaders. And that's where I want to spend a little bit of time because um, a lot of folks that get to listen to me are either emerging into formal leadership um, or they're they're new in their role. So what would you say are some of the biggest like transitions you see new managers struggling with? Yeah, that's um, it's actually pretty consistent, and, and I'll tell you in a minute, but this week I was at a leadership retreat, and there were some new managers there, and it confirmed the things I'd been thinking about in anticipation of this podcast, because okay. they're new managers, uh-huh. sure enough, families transition, and I've, to your point, I've like, I've managed thousands of people, you know, um, and one of the top things that new managers struggle with is delegation. Hmm. Um, they're used to doing it themselves. And they're used to doing it themselves in a certain way and learning that one they can't physically do it all anymore and they have to build the capability of their team to do it and also recognize that their team members may be doing it differently than they did and it's okay and it's probably even better so true so the whole delegation piece is a huge one and there's a little bit can be a little bit with newer managers and this isn't a negative thing but a little bit of control of like i need to hold on to this and as a manager and a leader, you kind of need to let go. And you're probably not the best person to do it anymore anyway, nor do you have the time. Mm-hmm. And so delegation um, is definitely number one. Would you, 
Would you say, sorry, would nope. you say that it's um, the just knowing that you need to delegate or would you say that folks are also trying to build the skill of how to delegate? Both, okay. for sure. I think it's recognizing a need and then how. And so um, there's this concept called situational leadership, which I learned many, many years ago where you look at somebody's readiness and their willingness to take on a task. And so I find even when I'm coaching newer managers, what is what is that their their team members readiness to do the task like what kind of training have they had and what is their willingness and then how do they best do that so that's a, a effective way to um to help with delegation but yeah knowing when and knowing how and and making sure that their team member has the capacity or the skills or the interest the motivation to do whatever they might be delegating so that's one piece the other one that i see new managers struggle with is really how to coach for performance and whether that's reinforcing positive contributions and strengths or having a constructive conversation but helping new managers find a way to do it that is in their own authentic voice and that it's going to be useful to their team member because people get nervous I mean people yeah. when I think about coaching for performance a lot of times it's like oh there's a performance problem no I'm just I can think of an example last year where I was working with a new manager and he was telling his team you guys did an awesome job and I was like, pause. What made it awesome? Why was it awesome? What types of things do you want to see again from that person? Because awesome job doesn't tell you specifically what was done and what types of behaviors you want to repeat. So coaching for performance means really helping people recognize exactly what good looks like um, so they can do it again. But then there's the other piece of like when things aren't going as well and people get really nervous about having those conversations because they don't want to not say the right thing and they don't want to upset somebody or maybe the other index other side they'll be too direct mm -hmm. and so helping new managers figure out like what are the motivations for that person what types of communication works effectively for them what type of thing do you need to get across really clearly to them you know, kind of giving them a structure for how to have a conversation for a constructive conversation, but new managers really struggle with that. What, what have you found is like useful or effective when you're trying to train someone how to coach? Um, have you created like your own model to help them think about and structure how they want to give feedback? Um, is there somewhere that you said like, oh, we need to make sure that everybody goes through this programming or? So one of the very, very early couple of the very early management training programs I went I went through when I was a manager there's a couple of constructs that I learned that still live with me today mm -hmm. and they're not exactly exactly how I cope but they always start with them okay. maybe add on so the one there's a feedback model and there's positive feedback and there is constructive feedback negative whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. but it's like you really want to help somebody improve so the positive is what did they do and why was it good? Mm -hmm. The negative is what did they do? What could they have done differently that would have been more effective and why? I love it. And, and so it's literally what, why positive, right. constructive, what, what, why? Huh. So I share that a lot with new managers and it's simple and people can absorb it. Another one is a very simple, I call them the three questions of management that most people want to know. One, they want to know what's expected of them. How are they doing and what can they do to improve mm -hmm. and so just knowing both of that here's how you can give feedback but knowing those things are on people's mind I think people get um, get nervous about the words that they use but sometimes if you use a model like either one of those it, it's pretty clear 
Mm -hmm. um, and if you just do it being yourself and out of compassion, this is where I add in compassion and caring and genuine interest in the other person's success, then it will come across as a very authentic endeavor to help somebody continue doing what they do really well and because they know it's expected or maybe they need to change and try something new, but it's still because you care. So that's where I kind of start to layer on the Christine experience of, you know, out of genuine authenticity and caring about that person. So I don't know if that helps or answers. No, I think it answers a ton. And, um, you know, two takeaways for me is one is, um, and you said it, you know, maybe like 30 seconds ago, but when someone has a structure, mm -hmm. it kind of frees them up, right? Yeah. So um, it frees them up then to, you know, show up. Um, yeah. And then they're, the coaching then would be like, you know, how do you show up with care? Um, and then two, the structure that you're describing, they're both pretty simple, and I like how there's a lot of what in there. Mm -hmm. um, it creates a platform to show you care, because I don't know how many times I've gotten in the past feedback, whether it was um, coming from a, a good place um, in terms of like, this is how awesome you were, right? Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, here's where you need to improve, but even when it was like, you know, you're awesome. Um, I, I, who doesn't like to hear that? But there's something different about like, here's why you're awesome, or here's what you're awesome at and why. Like that to me, whether um, at, at some level, I can tell they care because they're noticing, mm -hmm. right? Like I think people want to be noticed in some way, shape or form. How they accept that recognition is up to them. Let them determine that value. But like that I think is important. So there's just something really important about mm -hmm. teaching someone how to coach because it's like a, a, a mechanism to show how you care, mm -hmm. right? For sure, I mean, yeah. it's all in the, genuine spirit of back to helping. Mm -hmm. It's helping people. Helping people get better. Helping people um, discover their strengths. Helping people have a bigger impact on those around them and their families, whatever it might be. So it's all about the spirit of helping. Um, there is one more okay. you talked about that cool. I've been biggest transitioning manager. So I've said delegation, um, really kind of coaching for performance. Mm -hmm. And I find this one too, it's not as common, but it does come up, but new managers sometimes struggle, especially if they've risen from a peer perspective to now they're a leader of the peers, is when to be a friend and when to be a boss. Mm, yeah. And um, because they don't want to make anybody mad. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there can be a perception that being the boss or the tough guy, whether that's just being really clear on expectations or setting goals and holding people accountable to those goals or um, uh, managing with some consistency and frameworks, all that, that people worry that people won't like them. Yeah. Um, and you can be really compassionate and empathetic and generally caring about somebody and still be the boss, so to speak. And actually, um, people want that more than it, it, than you think and what it feels like to you. So I do see that sometimes where people are like, oh, but I don't wanna make them mad. Or I like, I don't want them to not like me. But you kinda have to step out of that and also give context to what does the whole team need. So you've got your individual relationship and the whole team. So I do see that sometimes. Again, not as common as the other two, but I have seen it come up enough where I think new managers sometimes struggle with, how do I do that? And sometimes, again, they'll over-index. They'll get too authoritarian. Mm -hmm. I'm the boss. We do it this way. This is the way it is. <clears throat> and that can actually work against you for sure. Um, so you gotta kind of find the right spot of being uh, emotionally connected, invested with your team, but also being able to like be really clear, it's that direction, you know? So that was the other one. It's such an art. I can relate to um, being liked. As a new man, like I just think about the first time I managed, 
And I was coming as like a peer in my team, and I just remember how hard that was because um, because that was the game that we had played before. Like we were colleagues, but of course like, we're building these like friendships, you know, outside of work. And then to come in as the new leader, I, I just remember that was hard. Um, and even though I knew that was the case, like I'd heard that before, it played itself out really differently for me. Mm -hmm. That that took some growth for me. And then, of course, in my second leadership position, where I came into a team where I didn't know anybody, I had set up really you know different kind of relationships. But um, yeah, so I can connect with that mm -hmm. for sure. So I'm really curious. We've got a chance just to hear about like what some of the um, transitions are for new managers because I just wanted to get your expertise on developing leaders. Um, your development, what were some of your biggest learnings that you had experienced in your career? I've had none. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning, actually. I had a big one yesterday. Um, what do you want to share uh, on well, air? Well, you know, there's a couple of stories that come to mind about me growing as a leader, and it's funny because they're definitely... Um, Small moments. Have you heard the concept lollipop moments? Yes. So they're lollipop moments. And for those who might be listening aren't familiar, you know, lollipop moment is, well, you gotta listen to the TED Talk, but basically it's like the small things that end up having a long lasting impact, but you may not, the person who impacted you may not even know that they had that impact on you. Um, but there's a couple of ones that remind me of from when I, one was an earlier leader and one was, um, uh, not that long ago, but so I mentioned a lot, I'm really into helping. I'm really into supporting people, this service leadership. But what I haven't talked about yet is I'm like, I'm a super taskmaster and I'm really organized. I high performer, I like want to knock my deliverables out of the park. Like that's just how I operate. And I certainly expect that of my team around me. And sometimes I could get, especially earlier in my career, I'd get so focused on the task that I would forget the connection piece that other people need. And I, in turn, need too. And there's one, it's just a small story, but I, um, I'd been a manager for maybe, maybe five years at that. And um, maybe less than that. And I was working at my desk and we were in an open cube environment. And of course I had some big project. It was, something was going on. I was like working on this. And I was just like down focused. And one of my team members came by, her name's Julie. And I don't know what was going on. I like looked up and then she walked by and I went back down. And she stopped in my cube and she says, you know, Christine, the team would really appreciate it if you actually looked up and said hello and good morning when we came in. <laughs> and I was like, it sounds like a small thing, but it just like, of course. But in that moment, I realized like, yes, it's not that I didn't care about the team before, right? but it had such a significant impact on me that I now like made it my practice to always look up and connect with people. It doesn't mean I, again, I, that I didn't care about them, but like they needed that for me in that moment in time. And to be really hyper aware of my own behaviors and my um, my actions and how I spend my energy and the impact that that has on others, whether it's intended or not. So that was one learning. 
Um, I have another one, unless you wanted me to pause there for a second. No, okay. I'd love to hear the other one. I mean, it's great. Yeah, and what yeah. I like about the story, too, is that it's like there's self-awareness, where it could have been like, yeah, yeah. whatever, or yeah. I know, and just move on and just keep being who you are, but you chose that to be a moment to actually, like, experience. It, it kind of rocked me, not in a negative way, but it, like, really stopped me in my tracks, and I'm so grateful that she said that to me. Yeah. Because otherwise, I would have gone on months continuing to do that. And for somebody, and I'm still in contact with her now we're friends now but i'm like if she wouldn't have said that to me i wouldn't have actually been able to recognize that in myself that my focus on extreme productivity and kind of task management means i also need to be really aware of what's going on around me so that was julie i think that's cool i'm sorry I know no. you're gonna get into something else but yeah. i think what's cool about that is that like maybe julie was trying to coach up maybe not but julie was also just being real you know like yeah. i think about like you know, a lot of times folks struggle with their manager or their, mm -hmm. like, you know, their leader, and yet they don't know what to say. Or they think, like, well, if I say something, will it really change anything? Um, and I don't know that Julie meant to change anything, but, like, like you said, like, that lollipop mm -hmm. moment, like, but it had an impact. Yes. So. And I actually retold her this story. Like, I don't think she ever knew that she made such an impact on me. I think we had coffee last year, and I hadn't seen her for, like, a year, and I was retelling her the story. And, of course, she doesn't remember it at all, but... I share that story often and I had some coaching new managers like, you know, pay attention to these, you know, these things and what's going on around you. Um, Cause there will always be a ton of work at hand, mm -hmm. always. Um, the other, well, a couple other things, but one other story comes to mind is it was really a transformational leadership moment for me and my growth as a leader was when I was promoted to vice president from a director job. And it was the first time I really felt like and realized that kind of the buck stopped with me, so to speak, as it related to decision making mm -hmm. and the vision I cast for the team. And when I was promoted, my manager at the time pulled me into a room. I had no idea this was all happening. And my, pre my old boss had um, been let go from the company. And they pulled me in the next day and said, we want to promote you and backfill this person's role. And my first thought was that, one, I wasn't qualified because I didn't have the level of background that this other person had. But the other thing that was really on my mind is I had just started going back to school. And I did not want to stop going back to school. And I had this dilemma of, like, I'm now the senior executive and I'm going to school. How mm -hmm. am I going to do this? And I'm not gonna stop either one. And I was a little um, worried about it. And so in the moment in that room, I didn't wanna appear ungrateful for the opportunity for the promotion, but I told my boss, I'm like, this is really amazing, thank you, I'm honored, and I'm in school. And what he said to me was one line, and that's why you need a great team. Mm -hmm. And that was such a transformational moment and kind of learning for me as I made this shift of like, again, like I've talked about, as a manager, it's not really about doing all the work yourself, but it's really learning to leverage the strengths of the people around you and unleash those. And so that was an early, I would say it's an early learning, but it was definitely a key learning that kind of grew me as a leader of like, I need to change the way I work and I need to change the way I lead my team and I need to learn to leverage them in a different way so that I can do both of these things that are super important to me. So it wasn't as much of an like early manager 
you know, shift, but it definitely was a major shift in my, or kind of evolution in my growth as a leader and how I'm going to operate and show up and try and do both of these things that were super important to me. Um, so that's one example. And the only other thing that kind of came to mind is, as you mentioned this question around experience growing as a leader, was some point in between that first management situation with Julie and this more recent kind of promotion to VP is when learning how to be vulnerable with your team. Um, and that being vulnerable with your team um, and those around you actually makes you relatable to them. And I think that took some time, um, but that was a growth experience for me as a leader. Because again, you know, early on it was super businesslike, very professional, very productivity oriented. And at some point I learned like people actually want to see the human side of Christine um, because it makes me relatable. And so I think by the time I had the situation being promoted to VP, I was there and then I could actually show a little bit more with the team. I could share, hey, I'm going to school. I'm a full-time working mother. I'm an executive. Like, I can't do all of this. I need your help. And of course, they all, all rose to the occasion. But it took somewhere between those two experiences for me to realize that being vulnerable actually helps the team connect with me more and build relationships. I don't have a specific example around that, but it definitely is something I learned um, and grew um, as a leader. And so... I think that's powerful, and I don't think I think sometimes folks want to know, like, well, you know, a a equals b. Like, I was vulnerable in this situation; it created. It, sometimes mm -hmm. it happens that way, but sometimes it's not about that. Right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's you know the impact of being able to show yourself mm -hmm. over time that makes a difference, which is huge. I love that story. So you're giving just a ton, I think, for me and for everyone to just think about in terms of just like your own experience. Um, I want to shift a little bit because we started by asking, you know, what do you think are the biggest issues that managers face? I asked you about your life um, and your career and, and the development there. And so um, the question now would be when you reflect on your career, like what, if anything, do you think has changed in terms of what leaders need to be successful? Yeah. So it's been 30 years, basically, since I've been people I know I don't look that old but no uh -uh. <laughs> from my first shift supervisor position at a Starbucks store when I was 19 to today where I'm you know chief strategy officer of this growing business so but if I reflect on that definitely some things come to mind one is that um, it seems well what has changed is it's a lot less about really having deep functional expertise as a leader than maybe it was even 20 years ago, mm -hmm. where you really need to know finance, maybe you do in some jobs, or you really need to know this discipline and this subject matter expert. That's important, but oftentimes you have people who are really good at that and better than you. Yeah. What I'm seeing is needed more from leaders today, and what mm -hmm. has changed is the ability to lead, inspire, motivate, um, coach, um, provide direction and vision mm -hmm. um, more so than you need that functional expertise. Those broader leadership skills will serve you and serve the team um, in a much more impactful way than if you're just the expert in finance. I'm just paying on finance. Why do you think that is though? Like why, why might that have been like a go-to 20 some odd years ago and not so much today? Is it that there's just a different set of thinking or are there different needs out there or what, what's changed? It's a good question. I think it's probably both. I mean, I think there are different needs I and mean, people, 
you know, corporate America, and I'm mostly speaking like corporate America, has changed so much with mm-hmm. um, the last 20, 30 years, enabled by technology, enabled by people, especially the millennials, wanting to work and have a higher purpose and being mm-hmm. able to have a good um, blend of things outside their life within and also in their work. People feeling like that they want to contribute to their communities in a much different way. And those are all around social skills, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think all of the things that are going on in the world today, people are looking for um, connection and uh, humanity. And those things in terms of those kind of soft skills, kind of broader leadership skills, I think just require us to show up differently for our people because they're dealing with all of these external factors um, in what's happening in our world and our society. And, and I think that's part of it. I also think we have learned more, if you look at it from academic perspective and research that has been done on effective leadership styles and having a bigger impact on your team, you don't see as many books on becoming a functional leader you don't see books on that. You see books on how do you build relationships? How do you have great conversations? How do you develop emotional intelligence? How do you um, understand somebody's style? What do you know about diversity? You know, you see more kind of happening in the trades on that, which I think is just additional evidence that not only is that getting having more of an impact on people and therefore People are looking to build skills there, but it's probably what our society needs right now. So I think it, it's a little combination of the factors you mentioned. Um, gosh, there's so much there. Um, what You started to lay all those pieces out. Um, do you feel like if you were gonna develop like the perfect leadership development model then, so this isn't the age of, cause so much has changed, right? Like mm-hmm. it used to be that we were in this age of ownership where companies built products to sell to people. Now it's really about, you know, subscription and relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And so the relationship that organizations have is different. And then the kinds of experiences that workers are coming into organizations have is different. And the, the employees like journey with the company is different folks. My daddy stayed with his company for 51 years. Wow. Yes. I thought 27 was a long time for me to stay at Starbucks. <laughs> I, and it is. It is. I know. It's like 51 years. Um, and I think he's, I don't, I don't yeah. know that like, you know, if you go back, you know, a couple decades, that was everyone's experience. But, you know, some folks are. Yeah. I, I know folks who got to Boeing, going to stay at Boeing forever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and just to use like one example. So if you were going to develop the leader today, given some of these changes, like, what would you craft as like the perfect experience for developing new leaders? Like what would that look like? Well, it's funny you should ask this because I've been thinking a lot about it actually the last few months and I, I put out a note to LinkedIn to kind of crowdsource and it really confirmed my hypothesis and you know what I think you need. And I, I would not focus on the functional or technical skills, um, job specific skills. I wouldn't focus on those at all. There are some operating and management skills I would focus on, but I would start with self-awareness. Got it. So if we can help people, if I can help a new manager realize all the goodness within them, um, their towering strengths, their hot buttons, their predispositions, their biases, 
what motivates them. If I can help a manager understand that in themselves, and if they can understand that themselves, then they can better connect with their people mm -hmm. and know how to really leverage and help their people perform. So self-awareness is one. I think along with that is knowing how to build relationships which there's a lot to that, but a big part of that is empathy. Um, and I think building trust and all that, like those are critical skills. How do you build a relationship with your team? What are the things that create trust? What are the things that erode trust? Hmm. What does empathy look like? And why is that important? But it's really around connecting with people. And then I would add, probably the last thing I would add right now is really leading change I would put in there. Um, because business is changing so much, people are changing so much. As a newer leader, you have, you're, you're trying to guide your team to a North Star somewhere. And that North Star is going to change and or it's gonna require people to do things differently to get there. And you will not be able to um, get there if you don't know how to bring your team along in that change. And so, um, knowing, again, goes back to the knowing them, like motivating them, what excites them, what are they concerned about, what are they, I already said, excited about, um, what role do they have in the change, how can you leverage their strengths for that change, um, what are their fears they have, I already said that too, obviously I'm like excited fears come up a couple times, what are the concerns, um, but I think leading change is, is another one. So those are kind of the self-awareness, um, relationship building, empathy, leading change are like must-haves. Um, and then how do you operationalize that? I was going to you. I knew you were going to ask me that, but it's so <laughs> true. And it's like, I think sometimes you man, some managers know how to operationalize really good and don't know how to do the other stuff. And others know how to do the, the other, you know, stuff, yeah. the relationship building skills, but don't always know how to operationalize it. You're not going to get done what you need to get done if you don't find a way to operationalize it and create your own management system. Right. Um, that management system has to flex, mm -hmm. I believe, because it has to flex based on those unique um, beings <laughs> that you work with that are, you know, humans that have a lot of different things, other things going on in their life and different perspectives and personalities. But the structure you put there will help you better support your team. Um, and it's going to be different from one structure that maybe you have as an individual contributor. So one of the things that I don't know if you're familiar with the first 90 days, mm -hmm. that book. Yes. I give that to every new manager or somebody who's moving into a new role. Every time I've changed roles, even when I came here mm -hmm. and I've been a manager for 27 years, like I pulled out my first 90 days because it has a structure yes. for approaching my transition, which includes a lot of these human elements in it. Mm -hmm. But it helped me kind of be able to get on a path that other people can plug into and we can connect in on to be able to kind of move these things forward. So um, there are other management system structures I put in place I can talk a little bit about, but I, I would train managers on both. Like you have this big people element <clears throat> and you have to know a lot yourself really right. well. And then two, okay, how do you take all that insights and bring it to life so you can get the work done in a focused fashion, I guess. Isn't that interesting? Um, 
you know, if you think about 20 years ago and the function of like, so just assuming like that was the trend and, and I think people can relate to that. Like you're on a team and guess what? You're a good manager, Harry. So now you're going to be like a good, you know, or you're a good engineer. So now you're going to be a good manager. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't play so well today. Although that's, that's kind of like how we're choosing our leaders today is they perform well in their function and they move mm -hmm. up. But isn't it interesting what you're proposing? And then when you take a look at companies who are really, um, doing well they're doing what you're saying right mm -hmm. um, it's interesting to me that like the role of the company now is to develop a human being in some way shape or form right and it's I to agree. develop a human being because you know that they're gonna like you know the more self-aware they are the, the more it's come back to your core mm -hmm. thing if they can help mm -hmm. others other people are able to help you know someone mm -hmm. else and so there's something core about that that I think is really important mm -hmm. um, where that wasn't seen as having as much value. Um, I don't know how long ago. I know that I've been in the workforce since 98, and I don't remember that being, I remember thinking mm -hmm. about that because I came into the workforce doing a lot of what was called diversity and racial justice training, and people saw that as less than or an add-on. And mm -hmm. um, you know, I love how it gets feminized, it's soft skill, but um, it's kind of core. Mm -hmm. to, to human trait but to do that for groups that's hard like it's one thing to know that about yourself to lead a family a team mm -hmm. a group that's just different so, yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, I love the way you said that it's like companies are really kind of developing human beings because when we know about ourselves not can we help people but you just feel empowered right yeah. and, and we all want to be set up for success and to be our best selves and um yeah, I just think it's just super, it's super important, so. I agree, I'm happy that it's trending in that direction. At least I hope <laughs> it stays in that direction, we'll Who see. Who knows, things change. You ask me that in 10 years. <laughs> Which will be interesting to like figure out, but that's another podcast. <laughs> so our no, I know our time is winding down, and um, as we close out, I guess I would love to know, um, What's next for you? Where, or where is Christine headed in her next five, 10 years um, for yourself, your leadership, maybe your, the organization you're with? I'm not sure. You know, I'm still exploring that right now. I'm okay. giving myself a little permission to explore. And I mean, coming from a company where I was there for 27 years mm -hmm. and was always growing, you know, going to the next level or expanding my responsibilities, you know, coming here to a smaller company has been a huge growth opportunity for me too. But it's also been an opportunity for me to, I don't wanna say pause, that's not the right word, but do some contemplation and reflection of maybe what is next for me. Mm -hmm. um, so there are a couple things I'm considering and I'm playing around with. One is you might know I've been writing a book yep. and it is a memoir um, really around my time at Starbucks, but kind of the key leadership um, lessons learned and life experiences that I've had that shaped who I am as a leader. Very cool. So we're almost getting a preview in some ways of that. A little bit, yeah. yeah. And um, my um, my goal in all that, this won't surprise you, is like people ask me, why are you doing this? It's like I want to help people. If I can help others benefit from a story, an anecdote, my own unconventional journey. And while I stayed at the company 27 years, it was not, I mean, there was breaks in there, there were sabbaticals in there, there were personal hardships in there, there were sideways moves, there were upward moves, there were downward career moves, like mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, but if I can help 
somebody see that there's a different ways that you can accomplish whatever your vision is for yourself um, and here's the learnings and lessons I've had if somebody can take a nugget from that then I will feel like I've done my job right again helping people so that's one thing so I've got a rough draft um, my goal is to have a rough draft by the end of this year and that is done so next year I need to think about publishing editing I'm not really sure um, and then the other thing I'm contemplating right now and I've been playing around with this and I mentioned it earlier is just dabbling in a little bit of coaching Mm -hmm. um, that I get paid for. Um, I do it every day in my job. I love it. Mm -hmm. it. feels weird to charge people for it, but there's a need um, and I do enjoy it. And so I'm kind of like, is that something I maybe want to do next phase? I don't know when that would be, mm -hmm. not next year. Maybe, it's, I don't know. But I need to make a decision if I want to really get into that a little bit more and what does that look like? But those things are kind of on the radar, the book obviously, um, as well as coaching um, and uh, helping primarily women, although it can be anybody. It just seems to be a lot of people who reach out to me or women who want to, you know, either been inspired by my path or my story or want to help solving a problem because they face something that maybe I've faced with, I've faced. So I think that's next. Um, I know whatever I do, it will all be in the sphere of service. So... If I stay here, awesome for a lot longer. It's in serving people. If I were to do something else, it's got to be in the space of service and serving others, because um, it's really it's because I said it gets to my higher calling, of, like helping and service. So that's all I know right now. Come back to me next year. I Ask me it. that question. I will. Um, I love it because it's just it's just <laughs> so core. So if people wanted to find you, connect with you, they can find you on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a website? I do. It's really official name called Christine McHugh Consulting.com. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it gives a little sense of kind of more who I am. You probably got a lot out of this podcast, but a little bit about my services that I provide. It's a side hustle. So, awesome. you know, I can take on a couple projects a month. That's pretty much it. Um, Instagram. I have two Instagram accounts. I have one that's Christine McHugh for all things running. If you really want to see this other side of my life, and then I also have one around Christine McHugh leadership. Um, but LinkedIn is probably the one I'm most active on. I really like to engage with the community. And, um, but yeah, feel free to reach out to me on any of those mechanisms. Perfect. So we're going to put all of that on the show notes okay. and make sure that folks have a way to, to connect with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. For, this was super fun. This is hopefully like, it was helpful <laughs> to some I, people. I love that at the very end. You're like, hopefully it's helpful. <laughs> I was like, if not, well, you just picked the wrong interviewee. <laughs> I'm fine with that. It's we are personal. not editing this out at all. It's perfect. <laughs> well, that's our interview for today. I hope that you were able to take a lot away. You can learn more about Christine at her website, ChristineMcHughConsulting.com, and you can find that in the show notes. You can also follow her on LinkedIn, and that is also in the show notes. She puts a lot of um, great perspective and articles out that way. Uh, I'm looking forward to be able to spend more time with you all this year, um, covering more topics around leadership, and I'll see you next week.